Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, a, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word, with only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, the voice you hear, not that of the man himself, Rich Eisen. He is on vacation. It's myself, producer Chris Law here, along with fellow producer Chris Brockman. Hey, what's going on, Law? Brockman, welcome back to the uh, 310. You know, Richard's always like, oh, it's your humble host here. I feel like we're equally as humble. I I feel like our humbleness is underrated in the intros. I I agree, although by mentioning our humbleness, does that make us not... As humble? Is that like a reverse humble brag? I don't care. Here we are. I'm back in the 310. As you said, it's good to be back. I was in the uh, the 207 and the 315 last week, and I'm still thawing out. It was so cold on the East Coast. All our East Coast listeners, you guys have been absolute warriors this winter because I was there a week, and we got two snowstorms. You got like two Nor'easters, right? Yeah, and it was... We got 14 inches of snow plus rain at my mom's house on Thursday, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it to Syracuse. And what you guys have put up with this year is unbelievable. I I mean, I've never been so happy to get back to the West Coast in sunshine. So how does that go, by the way, when you go back east? Do you keep, like, your winter, heavy winter coats at your mom's house and then grab them there, or do you actually travel that back with you? Because we don't have a need for them out here. No, we don't have a need for them. And and the other thing is is that uh, when I was living in in Maine, I was 30 pounds heavier, so a lot of my stuff is so big and and doesn't fit anymore. So I still have some winter jackets at home. My Twitter avatar right now is me... uh, uh, snow blowing the driveway, <laughs> wearing my big puffy North Face jacket. Oh, snow blowing, um, one thing I don't miss. Uh, but you know, it was actually a good time. We got outside, we made a snowman, we did some snow angels. Uh, it's always great to be back. It's one of those things. Uh, I normally don't go in the winter. I try to avoid, yeah, yeah. you know, the weather and the cold and everything. But uh, it's been too long. See my nephew Avery, my sister Allison, her husband Cameron. So it was, it was a, it was a good time. It was a good trip, and I got to see my orange men. We squeaked out a win over NC State on Saturday. After squeaking out a win over Pitt. Right, right. I was, oh man, I was at this rinky-dink main casino with my mom, and we were watching the final minutes, and uh, needless to say, when Tyler Ennis hit that shot, I I caused a very big scene (laughs) from my screaming, causing everyone in the casino to stop what they were doing and look at me. I can't imagine you being loud watching a (laughs) a sporting event. Wondering what was going on, and then I proceeded to walk right out the door with my hand in the air, number one. 
Well, look, there's there's going to be a lot on this show. I know Rich is, is not here. We're going to hope to get him on the phone. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can dial him up. Yeah, phone line later. He is uh, taking a little uh, – he, he's tapping out for a little bit on yep. a little family vacation. Much-deserved R&R for him. S- yeah, ski trip, but we're going to try and get him on the horn. But we do have a, uh, a special guest today, uh, our pal Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Media, the uh, resident scout here for uh, NFL Media along with Bucky Brooks. The guy knows pretty much everything. He's a big-time draft guru comp getting ready for the combine this week. Yeah, it's- so he really – at least uh, he updated his top 50 prospects list, uh, I believe I want to say on Monday. Okay. Um, so we'll be talking with him about that. And Can't then, wait. I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of interested in, you know, how one becomes a scout and what yeah. that process is. So I kind of want to ask him about that. I yeah, mean, absolutely. We've worked with DJ for two years now, and, you know, you have some of those conversations, but you don't really get into it. So we figured, why not get into it a little bit? Yeah, right absolutely. Here. We'll hit on that, and then we'll uh, we'll get his take on some of the guys as we get ready for the combine this weekend. So uh, I also actually you, you mentioned Maine. I just booked a flight to Maine. I'm heading there this summer. So You're going I'm, to Maine I'm, this uh, summer. I'm officiating another wedding. Um, one of my wow. This is wedding number two. Wedding number two. I'm in demand, Brock. That's unbelievable. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my best friends from where in uh, Maine high school. In uh, I'm flying into Portland. It's in Booth Bay. In Booth, Booth Bay. Bay. Okay. Harbor. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's a good trip up the coast. Booth Bay is really pretty, especially in the summertime. Yeah, I've been there a few times uh this this friend of mine that i'm uh actually gonna be marrying they uh were, we were high school buddies and his parents had a house up there so we would go up there every summer uh with his that's family. awesome now what is that conversation like when you get a phone call how do they bring up that they want you to be the person to unite them in holy matrimony uh they just really ask and then they want to make sure that it's not a burden on me or anything like that, and I and my response immediately is, I don't want to embarrass you or your family. <laughs> so as long as that's not a worry for you, well, as you, long as you don't have that gigantic beard, you shouldn't be no, an embarrassment. Yeah, it, it should be fine. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, so it should be. It should be fun. It's my my good buddy Graham. So uh, yeah, heading heading there. Just booked the trip last night with uh, Chera. So we're we're heading up to the Pacific North or the Pacific. The Pacific, man. Listen to me. My look. My my directions are all gosh up to the latex. great northeast, the down east, if you will. It is called down east, and uh, I'll have to get some vacation tips from you. For yeah, that. man. I'll I'll definitely uh, point you in the right direction. Now, um, back to the show at hand. We have a TV show coming up. We do. Um, so. I actually am traveling to the Combine on Wednesday, tomorrow. We're taping this on a Tuesday right now. Uh, I'm on a flight tomorrow to Indianapolis for the Combine. I believe Rich gets in on Thursday evening to the Combine. And uh, Friday um, is the day of rehearsals for Rich's show, for the show I'm producing on digital. But we're also going to tape the Eisen Combine special on Friday. So we are doing a Combine special to air when? From Indy. It's going to tape on Friday. It's going to air on Wednesday, the 26th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Fantastic. You'll be back here in the Bay. Slicing I'll be here in Los Angeles with Paul, Slicing and Dyson. Uh, Who do we have confirmed? We have three guests confirmed, actually, for this. Three uh, confirmed. Potential, potential for uh, another guest. We're still efforting for maybe one more one guest. One more big-name guest. Um, the one thing with the Combine is we're, we're taping this on a Friday. The athletes actually... Um, start rolling in on Thursday for some measurements and some heights and weights. They don't, and the combine itself kicks off Saturday, Saturday. morning. Saturday, so when we record 9 this, nine a.m. Eastern. Yeah, when we record this with a player, um, they will have not competed yet. So, 
it airs after that. So with that in mind, we wanted to kind of stick away from players unless, you know, we can get a marquee guy sure. or, or something like that. So one of the players we're actually getting is, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in this class, Blake Bortles from UCF is going to sit down. We'll have to ask Daniel Excellent. about him. Can't wait to talk to him about that. He is flying up draft boards right now. Yeah, he is actually. Um, so Blake Bortles, the head coach of a guy whose team is making some news and his quarterback's making some news right now, Jeff Fisher. Uh, Jeff Fisher, who said Sam Bradford will be the starter in 2014. Said he will be the starter. He's actually sat down with us a couple years uh, in a row here. He is. He's on the the competition committee, right? So I'm sure we'll have lots of questions involving the various potential rule changes in the league next year. Yeah, and you know Rich is always banging the table for something. I think uh, this year it might be his, you know, give the refs iPads and let them make the decision right there on the field. (laughs) Well, Rich is big on the review for penalties. And so uh, we'll we'll see what Jeff Fisher has to say about that and our third confirmed guest our, is a friend of the podcast who we actually typically get on about this time of year um, but it just didn't line up so we'll probably get him on pre-draft also but td himself thomas dimitrov the general manager of the atlanta falcons fantastic who you know they had an unexpectedly rough season last year they just brought on scott pioli as an assistant gm in atlanta which is interesting because, you know, Scott Pioli is a well-respected GM on his own right from his days with your team and with Kansas City. Absolutely. So great that TD can bring a guy in with that big of a... Right. The Atlanta Falcons, my Super Bowl pick yeah. in 2013. So that's all coming. Uh, we're going to tape that in a couple days here. Great. From and that airs next Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network. 10 p.m. Eastern. It'll re-air actually at 1 Eastern, and then it has a re-air the following day, too. Great. So we got three air- three airings Yes. out of our Combine Special 2014. Awesome. Yeah, so it sh- should be good. But um, did you... Uh, you you missed last week's podcast. I did miss last week's podcast, but it was nice of you guys to uh, dial me up while I was freezing in the 207. But uh, great show. Bruce Dern last week really told some stories. Man, I'll tell you what. That was, uh, that was something else. And to be honest, uh, we I can't even appreciate, you know, I've seen a few of Bruce Dern's movies. I, sure. My wife loved the HBO show Big Love, which, you know, he, he played a role in that as... Um, one of the uh, one of the fathers of one of the main characters. So you know what I've seen of Bruce Stern, I, I can't even appreciate all, all the work he's done. But just hearing Rich and him tell some of those stories, and then he brings up you know n- names like Frankenheimer and um, you know talking about Jack Nicholson and Hitchcock. Like who who who's worked and talks with about Hitchcock that right. we have in here. Right, that's fantastic. So it was definitely a, a, a cool thing. And then Malcolm Smith was a, was a really nice guy, too. I didn't know his story either about the achalasia. Um, he had an esophagus, you know, right. disease. I remember hearing that. So that, 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 was a, that was a fun show for sure. As Rich would say, the only show in America that will have Bruce Stern and NFL Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith on. Yes, and uh, we're efforting some guests for the post-combine. Most likely... Uh, the audio po- podcast that we tape, or the, I'm sorry, the television podcast that we tape in Indy will post as an audio podcast that Wednesday morning right? Um, as well. You'll probably be able to see some clips of, of some of Rich's interviews in advance because those will be airing on the network as promotion uh, throughout, but it, it should be a good time. Okay, great. So we're going to get Rich on the phone later, but here uh, coming in studio right now, Daniel Jeremiah. All right, pleased to be joined now by uh, Daniel Jeremiah, our resident NFL media draft scout. Daniel, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you boys doing? Fantastic. We're hanging in there. Um, we're just, you and I are headed to the Combine in a couple of days here. 
Um, this is your third year with NFL Media doing the Combine, correct? Second, second year. Second okay. year. Yep. So last year you were on NFL.com's feed uh, with Steve Weish hosting. We do two feeds on NFL.com. Uh, this year a little different. You're going to be up with the network on what we're calling the Context Desk, right? With uh, Chris Rose, yep. Mooch, Billick, and Charles Davis. You got it. And then Rich and Mayock, who are hosting the main show, will be coming down to you guys for insight analysis. And then you're also they're up high above us. They like throw airplanes at us and go. stuff down there on the desk. And so then you you'll also be a part of our feeds on NFL.com yep. as well and interjecting your thoughts. I think one of the things I want to know is how do you, how did you get into scouting in the first place? Because you were a college quarterback at Appalachian State for yep. three year three year starter there. How, how did you wait? Start you went to Appalachian State? Yes. Is that common knowledge? Like, do you just hold that over Rich every time you talk to him? Well, I, I mentioned it during the uh, during la- the draft last year. Okay, we as well. I think we might have mentioned it on the, on the podcast once yeah, last year as well. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. That- to, to the point where last year, uh, when an App State punter got drafted, uh, that kind of started the dialogue on air. And I don't know how many people were still watching at that point in time, but we had fun. Hour we had fun seven with of day yeah. three yeah. of the combine. We had fun. Only the diehards are still tuning in uh, at yes. that point. But oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but law, this is how it went. It was kind of you just kind of fall into something. So I finished up in 2000 at App State, and then uh, actually kind of you know thought about getting into broadcasting. That's my what I want to do. So okay. I got a job with ESPN working uh, Sunday night football. So I was just, right. you know, I was low man on the totem pole. I was spotting up in the booth. Was and, that like the the Mike Patrick Yes, team Mike and, and Theismann, uh, Theismann and McGuire. McGuire, yeah, the yep. punter, yeah. So this is right out of college, so I jump on that thing. So I'm traveling around, you know, with, with uh, Sunday night football. Okay. And we happen to be doing a Ravens game, and my brother played football at Liberty University. Right. And his college roommate – um, you know, but Liberty University this is a long, this is a long drawn out story. But Sam Tigliano used to coach with the Browns. He had left and was my brother's coach at Liberty. Sam Tigliano obviously coached Ozzie Newsom with the Cleveland Browns. So that relationship had helped my brother's roommate at Liberty become a scout with the Baltimore Ravens. Got it. So I'm traveling around with Sunday Night Football. I run into my brother's roommate. What are you doing? Kind of telling him what I'm doing. Hey, we might have a scouting position open. Would you be interested? It literally was just running into somebody that I knew in a and press And you box. went from wanting to be in television to getting into scouting. Like, yeah. What clicked where you're like, this might be fun. This might be a cool opportunity. Yeah, well, I missed the competitiveness of playing. You know, you get done playing, and uh, you don't really have a way to scratch that itch when you're, when you're on the TV side. So sure, I, wanted, sure. I wanted to get involved in that, and that's why I you know, was really interested when this opportunity presented itself. So, uh, you know, that's just kind of how it happens. What do they tell you? Like, what's your role going to be when you're like, hey, we might have this scouting position yeah. open. Yeah, I'm interested. And then they say, okay, you're going to be doing what? Well, the first thing they say is uh, it pays next to nothing. <laughs> I mean, literally next to nothing. They, and I'm sure it's like this in, in a lot of fields. They want to test you out and see if you're really serious about this. You really want to work Maybe, at it. Yeah. So your first two years, it was like getting a master's degree in football for mm-hmm. me on the scouting side because the way the Ravens do it, they don't hire – when they hire scouts, they don't go outside and hire somebody that's 45 years old. They hire young guys. They train them for two years in-house. So you're technically a personnel so assistant. So you're at Owens Mills. Yeah, yeah. I'm at Owens Mills okay. for two years. And so um, I'm getting, you know, getting to go out to maybe 15 or 20 schools to do, you know, scouting. But then every every day you're in the facility. So we're helping put together the advanced scouting report for the opponents that we're playing. But we're sitting in the tape room every week watching our games with our, you know, with Ozzie Newsom, with our entire sure. personnel department. So you, you get a pretty good education on what to look for in players. And then uh, you know what fits and what works in the Ravens organization, what kind of players, what kind of people we think work in our locker room. That's the way they train them. So then when you go out, after two years, you get an area. I went out to the West Coast, and now I, I know, okay, this is the kind of players that we need and that, that fit what we want. What it's, were those video rooms like with Ozzy in there? 
It was cool, man. He doesn't say a lot. He doesn't say a lot when you're watching tape in there. Just little nuggets, but everybody else kind of chimes in, and then Ozzy just have a little a pearl wisdom. He always, he, he's 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 not going to say a lot, but everything he says, you you sit back and go, wow, it's, it's that's impactful. Pretty, it's pretty genius. I'll give you a quick example. We had uh, in the combine one year, we had a bunch of players from Michigan. Uh, that that year, I think it was like they had a bunch of linebackers and Leon Hall, and they had a ton, huge yeah. ton guys. So everybody would come in and they would say, who's the leader of the defense? And, and everybody would say, David Harris, David Harris. Well, we had one player on that defense come in and say, no, I'm, I'm the leader of the defense. So we're like, well, everybody else has said David Harris. No, you know, I'm the leader of the defense. Well, why, why do you say that? Well, because we had these player-only meetings where we watched tape and I'm the one that organized it. Well, everybody else said David Harris organized that. It's like, no, no, it was me. Then Ozzy hadn't said anything the whole time. He goes, question for you. When you're in these meetings, who holds the clicker? He goes, David Harris. He goes, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> Gets right to the point. And, and that's, something, that's something that he would notice and he would know. Yeah, absolutely. So then you go, you go and you're with the Browns and the Eagles, but you're still West Coast then? Well, I, went, I was them. with the Ravens for four years, and then Phil Savage had become the general manager during that period of time, uh, about my second year in the league. And then he goes over to Cleveland as a general manager. So I still had two years left on my contract, and once my fourth year was done, I, I re- refused an extension going into that fourth year because I knew Phil was at Cleveland, okay. and they were looking to hire some people. So I went to the Browns as their national scout, so that was a big promotion for me, big yeah. raise, and got to kind of scout the whole country. So first year there were 10-6, and six, which seems like a million years ago for Browns fans. That was 07. The next year, 08, we're four and twelve, and we're all Mangini. The Mangini tornado came through town, and we were all gone. <laughs> from from talking to people, and when they hear that you were a scout or when you were scouting, what's the biggest misconception people have about a scout's life? Because I think most people think it is this glamorous oh, yeah. life, and it's you, you guys are grinding and on the road. A lot. Yeah, it's it's, and that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I mean, uh, when I got to the Eagles. Halfway through my second year, um, I had some media opportunities come up, and I have four kids at home, so I was like, okay, I'm yeah. done. The the 150 nights on the road are rough. And it's, it's not like, you know, you think of, okay, NFL teams are staying in Ritz-Carlton hotels on the sure. weekend. There's no Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, Idaho, just, <laughs> just so you know. it's a, uh, You're at a motel, not a hotel. Yes, and it's yes, and it is, it is literally, your decision is, okay, there's a couple local spots to eat here, and there's a pizza hut. Can I do Pizza Hut for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? <laughs> the answer is yes. And yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, you choose to be a, the West Coast guy, or did they give you yeah. an option? Well, they, they knew. I grew up in San Diego, so this is where I eventually wanted to be. So that was kind of a nice bargaining chip for me because Phil had tried to take me to the Browns after, right when he got that job, and Ozzy said, look, you know, I'll let you go back to California, and you can stay here, sign a two-year contract. So that, that kind of was a bargaining chip to get me back to the West Coast. And, and what was the difference between, uh, obviously, it, it, covering the national area, but when you are the regional guy as opposed to being the national, like, what's the biggest difference? Well, the regional guy, I think there's more pressure. You would think it'd be the opposite, but right. the regional guy, you are responsible for owning that territory. So, in other words, you do not want to be in the draft room when you cover the West Coast and some player from Portland State gets picked in the seventh round and you don't have a report on them and you, we haven't talked about them. Mm-hmm. That's bad not good yeah. whereas a national guy you can kind of you're kind of over the top and you're cherry picking all the top players and eventually you see everybody on your board but you're watching the guys that the area scouts kind of tell you to watch or point you in that direction so as an area scout if you if you don't have good area scouts and you don't get the right name you don't you, their job is to get the right names of, pe- of players 
for the decision makers to watch. So if those guys are failing in that duty and you're not getting the right players watching the key key players in the draft, you're in big trouble. You equate it to like like a a college coach that's a great high school recruiter that's going in and maybe trust certain high school coaches to give them good information on a player of theirs. Is that the kind of relationships you're developing with college coaches? And, you know, maybe, you know, they have a player, but they might know this player <laughs> is a loose cannon or might not be your guy. Are they kind of giving you that info or you have, that- you have a lot of sources and this is why it takes time to become good at, at a scouting job because you have to find out who the people are. You can listen to eventually you have to write down your report as a player, that's what you see. When you get in trouble, if you're listening to the coach tell you this guy's better than that guy, okay, and that, if that clouds your thinking and what grades you put on players, you get in trouble. You need to scout with your eyes, with your not eyes. with your ears. But in terms of the background portion of it, which now, you know, especially since the Aaron Hernandez thing and as we've come through all this, that's huge now. Teams sure. are, they want to make sure you know everything about these guys. So that is about developing relationships at different schools. You might go into one school, the best source might be the head coach. He might tell you everything you need to know and he's great and wide open. Some schools, it's the assistant video guy. Some schools, it's an assistant trainer. Some schools, um, it's it's a somebody that just is always out at practice. There might be some old guy that's just kind of a you know part of the program, and he's yeah. out there practicing. You start shooting the breeze with him, and he's like, yeah, you know, ever since he got arrested, he's really you know, whoa, <laughs> what, what what was that again? Uh, so you get you it's get crazy. all kinds of different sources at different schools. In your days of scouting, what were some players that you were really proud of that you hit on that maybe you had scouted before, and then what were some guys that you missed on? Oof. Well, it's always the guys you missed on, the ones that immediately come to mind. Right, but, of course. But, but the uh, the guys that I hit on, I mean, when I was doing the West, when we drafted Haloti Nada, I don't know if that was all that hard to, to figure out that he was going to be pretty good. Sure. Um, that was one. Um, I, you know, doing cross-checks on different players. Marshall Yonda was a guy that I really liked. We had a lot of love for him in the group. That's the one thing about Baltimore is that everything is kind of a group decision in terms of how it all comes about. But those are two of the ones I, you know, that I felt really good about. Another one is Ataba Rubin for the Cleveland Browns. Maybe a player not many people know about. We drafted him in the sixth round when I was there, um, but he's he's been a really solid solid, solid pro. Um, so those are the ones you feel good about. Some ones that you've missed on, man. There's been, I mean, look, I I wish I could have my Matt Leinart grade back. I didn't give him a <laughs> ginormous grade, but it was too high. Um, but he's a guy coming out that everyone thought was going to be a solid pro. Yeah, you just thought, like, this is, this is one, one of the things I learned there is, okay, anytime you say, you know what, the sum is just so much greater than the parts, you've got to have good parts yeah. to be good at, the, at this level. So that was a mistake there. It's, it's amazing how much <clears throat> I consider situations that players find themselves in, how that can define their career. And, you know, where a guy ends up, the system he's in, the if he has time to develop, if he doesn't, if he's thrown in it. Because you can look at some great quarterbacks in the league, and if, if they had been put in different situations, do they have that career anywhere? Does Tom Brady have this happen anywhere? Maybe he does, but a, a guy like Montana or, or somebody else, as a scout, do you do you look at, at a guy and you pretty much know, or is it, again, do you think situational and – Obviously, you know you want a guy that that can play your system. But. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's a it has everything to do with situation. And one of the worst things that could happen when I was scouting during the Peyton era with the Colts was you never wanted to see an offensive lineman get drafted by the Colts because Peyton gets rid of the ball so quick he can take some of the biggest pile of junk up front and they'll you know the guy starts for 16 games for five or six years and you're like man I gave the guy a free agent grade well he he wouldn't have made our team. But the way Peyton it, operates, yeah, so it makes you yeah. then look like you yeah, guys yeah, like, yeah, it's like, hey, what, what happened to this guy? You, you said right. that he was, you know, couldn't play, and now this guy's been starting for four or five years. I'm like, coach, he'd get killed in our system. He have no chance. 
So oh. yeah, there was always you know different places. You know, and New England was a classic where they'll New England will draft special teams players. They don't care. You know, some of the players they don't care what position you are. You know, like a Matthew Slater, for instance, yeah. somebody that's going to come in and we feel like can be a Pro Bowl special teamer. Don't necessarily have a position for him. Whereas other teams are going to be more reluctant. You know, to pick a guy if he's not going to be able to contribute on offense or defense. So a lot of it depends on the situation. So. Moving on to this draft, obviously, you have your top 50 list out on NFL.com slash CFB. Uh, atop your list right now is Jadavian Clowney. Is he the can't-miss guy of this class or? Or is safest the, yeah. the, best, the best word for that? Yeah, I mean, those are two tough words. I think he's, the, the thing I would just say, he's the freakiest guy. He's the most talented guy, absolutely. Huh? Um, when you talk about safe guys, um, you know, I, I, I have to mean he's my number one player, so I believe in him. I put him all the way up there. But when I hear the word safe, I think of somebody that, okay, he's played for four years. I know exactly what I'm buying. The effort, the production has been consistent all the way across the board. Now you can look at Clowney and say, okay, he's taking some plays off here or there. His production took a dip this year. But when you really study him and you see how much teams are preparing for this guy, double, triple teaming him, running away from him, screening him like crazy. I mean, he's had a dramatic impact on the game despite the numbers falling off. I, I, you know, I put it to you this way. He's the most talented defensive player that I've graded in 10 years. In 10 years. In 10 years. So Mario Williams was prior to that, my highest rated, you know, the highest grade I put on a prospect defensive prospect. And I gave him, you know, just basically the same grade as Mario. But if I had to stack him coming out, I liked Jadavion a little bit better. So what's, what's um, like, what's going on in the war room or in, in your, in your locker room or coaches conference room, whenever they're saying, you know, why is this guy taking plays off or, you know, what, what does this mean for us? Is that a concern area or is that just he's taking plays off because he knows he has millions on the line and doesn't want to get hurt? Well, I mean, it, that, that discussion happens all the time. And I'll give you, you know, talking about Haloti earlier, Haloti took plays off at Oregon. And, okay. and there were some people through that process that were kind of killing him while his effort and his motor. And it's like, okay, well, you've got to dig deeper than, than just what's on the surface here. And with him, it was, okay, they're at Oregon. At that time, Oregon didn't have the reputation as being this, you know, people around didn't know how fast they were operating, how many snaps their defense was having to play because of how they played offense. And then they were using them on special teams. There's a play, Haloti, I, I swear to you, and this is Rex Ryan will recall this play like, like in an instant because he, he, it sold him on him. He blocks a punt against Arizona. He's a 350-pound yeah. dude. Blocks a punt. The, the punter scoops up the ball and takes off down the sideline. He's running down the sideline. Haloti redirects, catches him about 20 yards down the field, and tackles and breaks his leg. And it was like, wow. This is a 350-pound dude who's been playing every snap on why, defense. Why is that he on special teams to begin with? Exactly. Well, probably because he can block punts. <laughs> but, but, you know, so it's like, okay, yeah, there's no, there's, it's physically impossible for this guy to go hard every snap with all they're asking him to do. And then with Clowney, you look at it and say, okay, he's getting double, tripled. They're running away from him. He's getting frustrated. Then you have early in the season, he's got a toe that's kind of bothering him or a heel or whatever. He had something wrong with his yeah. foot. And then, he, you know, he's a little under the weather. So he wasn't in great shape. I mean, there's, there's, if you want the reasons, you can find enough reasons to explain it. But when I watch him at the end of the year, I, I thought he was playing hard from snap to whistle and throughout the game. And then you've moved uh, Khalil Mack up a couple spots on, on, yeah. your, on your big board, the, the linebacker out of Buffalo. And Anthony Barr is the other guy that I, I've heard you talk with Bucky before and Money. There, there was some talk at the beginning of the season that Barr could maybe be the number one defensive player taken. He seems to have come down a little bit. Um, where, where do you place those two guys with Mack and, and Barr? Yeah, for me, Barr is just – I've kept him right where I've right had him. I mean, there. he's right at number four for me, just above Mack. But it seems like a lot of people out there, you're hearing you know, Anthony Barr sliding down. You know, how, how strong is he? How tough is he? Is he a pure pass rusher? 
And it's like, man, this is what happens. A lot of these guys come back for that senior year. This is the classic case of what the agents are going to tell kids. is like, look, if you come back for your senior year, you're going to get nitpicked on every little thing. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of the people that have concerns about Anthony Barr, when they see just how freakishly athletic he is at yeah. the Combine, those concerns are going to go away. I got to go to the – I went to the um, UCLA-Arizona State game out here at the Rose Bowl, and I uh, was on the sidelines of the game, and just seeing him field level, he just looked different yeah. than, than everyone else. Just so athletic, and he is more of a blitzer right now than a pure pass rusher. Um, but look, at a three-four team, you get him on tight ends and backs, he's going to have his way with those guys. And then you can drop him in coverage. He can cover these athletic tight ends you have to deal with. Yeah, the guy's been playing defense for two years. Yeah, I mean, he's only going to get. Back, yeah, right? he's on offense. He's an H back. I mean, he's only going to get better. So to me, sequencing him and Khalil Mack is a tough one. I know a lot of people have it flipped. I have bar over him. If if I had to go play a game tomorrow. I think I, I can buy it that Khalil Mack might be a better player tomorrow. But when I look at Anthony Barr and kind of where he's trending, he's bigger, I think he's faster, he's more athletic. Uh, I, I look at where they're going to be going forward. That's why I have Barr one spot over him. And our guy Brockman over here, man crush is huge on Johnny Manziel. Well, here's the deal. In, <laughs> in October, I tweeted out that he would be the number one pick to the Texans. I didn't think the Texans would have the number one pick because they were so terrible. I thought they would end up trading up to get him and keep the hometown boy in Texas. Now, Manziel comes out and says it'd be the biggest mistake ever if if Houston passes on him. Where do you come out on that? Where do you come out on Manziel? Are you as high on him as I am? Well, I have him as my top quarterback. So where that puts him in... Is he number he's, one pick worthy? Well, yeah, I mean, he's my, se- he's my seventh overall player. He's my top quarterback. If you're a team picking number one and you feel like a guy's a top ten player, you're saying a guy's pretty darn good. We have a need at the position. It's the most important position on the field. It's easy to, to rationalize taking him with the number one pick. Uh, my thing is, you know, you gotta, we talk about fits and how does he fit with what Bill O'Brien wants to do. He's going to have to alter what he does a little bit with Johnny Manziel as opposed to what he's always had. I mean, I, you know, you'd be able to tell me, Law, but yeah. Hackenberg, I'm guessing, I looked it up a while ago, I think he was like minus 160 rushing yards during, yeah. during his career. Yeah, not, 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 a, not a very mobile yeah, uh, this season quarterback. And you look yeah. with Bill working with Tom, who's a, the 6'5 pocket yes. passer, the prototypical NFL quarterback. And now we have, you know, Manziel brought it up. We brought it up at the beginning of the season with Brian Billick in September on the podcast. Russell Wilson and Robert Griffin having so much success really opens the door for Johnny to mm-hmm. be the type of impactful player that he was at Texas A&M, and he thinks he can certainly be the first rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I mean, is all of this possible? Well, I mean, the Texans roster, when you look at what they they're what like they the were Chiefs. two years yeah, ago, like yeah, the there's, a lot, there's a lot of dudes there. So they need to upgrade, make some moves, upgrade the offensive line, get better in that department. But when you look at it, okay, if, if you could rely on the running game, which they have with Arian Foster, if he's healthy and right, You've got two guys. He's, he likes to put the ball up vertically down the field. You've got Hopkins and you've got Andre Johnson who can go up and get it. And then you have the added element of him being able to boot and do all those different things. Ironically to me, it's like he's a perfect fit for Gary Kubiak's system who just, who just <laughs> left there. You see him on all those boots and waggles, throwing those deep posts, doing that stuff, and then getting out and moving around. He fits that perfectly. So it'll just take a little tinkering and adjusting for Bill O'Brien if they do decide they want to go after Johnny Manziel. But you talk to guys around the league, there's a lot of people around the league that, that feel like Bortles is going to be a legitimate discussion for them. Now, yeah. he's, he's my 18th guy. He's my third quarterback. That's a, that coffee's a little rich for me. 
but when they talk about the connection he has with George O'Leary and they, you know having yeah, seen him against Penn State, all that stuff, you, you well, hear a lot. Bill O'Brien came up under <clears throat> George O'Leary too, so yep. you know him working playing at UCF under O'Leary, and then he just absolutely crushed us this past year. <laughs> His game against Penn State was well. Look at Bortles in the bowl game. I thought he reminded me a lot of kind of a Andrew Luck light. Like the way he's big and physical and really drove, move around too. drove the ball downfield and the way he scrambled. But is he Christian Ponder 2.02 2 a little? Like, you know, that's well, to me, I thought, you know, I saw some Jake Locker to him when I watched him. Uh-huh. It was just, I, you know, I didn't think like he's, he's, he's a more natural thrower than Jake Locker. But somebody that, you know, just accuracy-wise, consistency, under pressure, when he's got bodies around him, I thought his accuracy got away from him a little bit. The South Carolina game, they heat him up a little bit in the second half. Um, I thought he got off balance. I thought he threw some up for grabs in that game. There's a couple other games, too. I want to say Memphis, of all games, was one that he that he struggled in. Um, but I think he has all the tools to develop and be that guy. I just don't think he's he's ready to come in and do it right now. The problem is, is who sits quarterbacks anymore? I mean, Right, and, and you brought it up earlier, a guy coming back for his senior year and then gets nitpicked apart. Mm-hmm. This could be a situation where Bortles is like, look, my iron is so hot right now, I, I've got to come out and really take advantage of my draft pos- potential draft position. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of buzz, and then when you go, okay, next year's class, I mean, it seems like we always do this, but you know, you got next year, okay, now we've got Mariota coming out, was Hundley going to continue to develop, Jameis Winston's going to be eligible, so you know, do you want to jump in this pool or do you want to wait around for that one? Yeah. Uh, back to Manziel real quick. The the size thing is what everyone yeah. kind of talks about. And, of course, Russell Wilson kind of shattered that a little bit, so to speak. He seems to be a little more bulk, bulk, yeah. bulky and durable than, than Johnny. Does Johnny says he's going to measure six feet? He's 200-ish? I don't know. Does that bother I think you? Be, yeah, I think he'll be 210. I think I, that's my guess. I bet you he's like right at six foot, and I'm guessing around 210. But just seeing Have the, you seen him but, live? Yeah, twice. twice. But, yeah. but seeing the beatings that Michael Vick has taken and Robert Griffin, yep. who, who is basically the new Vick, so to speak, does that concern you? Well, it concerns me with the way Johnny plays, just in terms of him as a runner. Like, the first thing I would do if, if I drafted Johnny Manziel, I would pull tape of the San Francisco 49ers and show him what Colin Kaepernick does to protect himself. Now, Colin's a much bigger guy, yeah, but he he gets it in terms of getting down in the open field, getting out of bounds. He doesn't take many shots. Nope. And Manziel, one thing he does in college, and the SEC is big boy football. I get it. It's the best college football has to offer. But if he seeks out contact like he did in college at the next level, he won't he won't hold up for 16 games. You're drafting a 12- or 13-game quarterback every year unless he changes that. He can't seek out contact. He knows how to slide. I've seen him do it. He's going to have to do a lot more of it. I'm trying to remember a prospect or a, a potential top overall prospect, specifically at the quarterback position, that was kind of this braggadocious coming out and telling the team with the number one pick that <laughs> – you know, he wants to win a Super Bowl for them, telling the Browns fans he wants to. Like, Dion is really the last guy I can remember that wouldn't do interviews with teams that picked after the sixth pick because he said, I'm not going to get to you. Right. Yeah. But how does that affect? I was going like to say, a, from a scout's perspective, that's something, obviously, that's being discussed in yeah. the room, right? I, well, the funny thing is, is this happens in the – it doesn't happen publicly very often. Yeah. I mean, you'd be, I mean, every player that – there's a lot of players that come through your room, you know, hey, you know – Tell us about yourself. Blah, blah, blah. I should be the first pick in the draft. Like, dude, you're like <laughs> fourth round, bro. You're, you'd be stoked with fourth round, you know? You're getting car money, not house money. <laughs> nice. But, um, no, there's a lot of people that believe that and a lot of people say that. But, I mean, I think it's, you know, if, I, if I'm going to put my money in a quarterback, you know, Peyton Manning, a lot was made about him going right. in there and saying, if you don't pick me, it's be the worst mistake you ever made. Yeah. Um, so I want the guy to be confident and believe in himself. I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, I'll tell you one player, one player real quick. Um that was was outstanding was the year uh maurice jones drew was coming out and we had him in and we said uh 
you know, where do you feel like you are, you know, in this running back group? And, and you're with who at this point? Uh, with the Ravens. Ravens, okay. And and Maurice Jones-Drew said, I should be the first pick. Straight fate, I should be the first pick in the draft. And it wasn't – like, there's some guys who are like, oh, okay, I should be – he, like, you could see he was – A, he was ticked off. Like, he had a yeah. chip on his shoulder already that he felt like he wasn't getting the attention that he deserved. And then the guy comes in the league and just rips it up. And, and then was, he wears number 32 because all 32 teams passed it, on him. It, exactly. And does it. So, I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. I'd rather have a guy believe in himself too much than a guy that yeah. doesn't have any confidence at and, all. And then the one other quarterback that kind of is in that top tier is is Teddy Bridgewater. You went down to uh, – you were at East-West Senior Bowl. You've seen him play also. It, the complaint with him is his size and a little too fragile. Do you buy into that or – well, he doesn't have – look, he's got a – I'm anxious to see him live in person here at the Combine to get numbers on him. It's a little bit of the knock, and this is if you're, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, you feel good about this, a little bit of the knock on Alex Smith mm-hmm. when he was coming out was, okay, he's got kind of this narrow frame, can he physically hold up? Alex Smith goes to the Combine, and we actually I think he was like around 219 or something like that. He was bigger than everybody thought he was going to be, so that'll be big for Bridgewater because when you watch him on tape, I, I love the toughness that he has. He hangs in the pocket. Some of those throws oh. he made on touchdowns, like yeah. sideways falling down. Yeah, he's got tremendous poise. He's, you can tell he's, he's very bright. The way he goes through his progressions, all that stuff's good. He just doesn't have, doesn't have off-the-charts arm strength. Mm-hmm. He's a good athlete. He's not a, you know, a special athlete. A lot of times when you're talking about the number one overall pick, if you go back and look through it, they have, to, they have one trait, one measurable trait, you know, something you can see. That's off the charts. Now with Manziel, it's his athletic ability. Mm-hmm. You know, with Michael Vick, it was athletic ability and his arm strength. These guys either have rare size, they're rare athletes, big arms. He's he's like he's sufficient in every area. He could be a great pro quarterback, but just traditionally, the guys that go way way up there have something that just kind of blows you away. You how good how good is Sammy Watkins? Who does he compare to? I liked him. I gave him a little bit better grade than I gave Julio Jones coming out. I liked A.J. Green better coming out than him, so I would kind of sandwich him between those guys, which is so a pretty good— So he has potential to be a top-tier he's, NFL he's receiver. He's a big-time dude. Yeah, he's a big-time dude. And you were saying um, we did some videos earlier this year, and I think one of the things you said in that was he's, he's Cordero Patterson ability, but even more impactful potentially on either on the field for first through third down and even on special teams too. He's more polished. You know, he's more polished and Patterson is Made a ex- pro bowl. Exactly. He's a dynamic returner. Sammy Watkins can give you that as well. Sammy just more polished as a route runner. He can give you a lot more. I mean, Patterson, you saw him, we put him in the backfield, throw him a toss. He's just so athletic, makes things yeah. happen. Um, Doing with Sam, exactly. Kind of. Just pure athleticism. Whereas Sammy Watkins is a, you know, as a route runner can get in and out of his breaks, can run every route on the route tree. Um, I think he's got the potential to be a big-time number one receiver. And what about Mike Evans? He's your number two yep. wide receiver, yep. but he's one of those guys. He made Manziel look pretty good this year, too. Yeah, they, they kind of worked well together when you look at it. You can, you, you, the people make case on both sides of it. Okay, Manziel, he made Mike Evans look good, and Mike Evans made Manziel look good. But he's a tall tree. I mean, six foot five. He's gonna be two hundred twenty something. Vincent Jackson esque. A lot of that... people have said Vincent Jackson. When I watch him, I compared him to Alshon Jeffrey, just okay. because of Jeffrey's ability to go up and high point the ball, make these acrobatic catches. You see a lot of that with Mike Evans. Now he's a little bit tight. He has some issues when people get up on him in press coverage, but he's so big and strong. I think once he kind of figures out how to use his hands a little bit better, he'll be able to overcome that. But if you're a team that, you know, if you're a struggling in the red zone type of a team, Mike Evans, you put him out there, I mean, you just you just throw it up, let him go get it. So my, my alma mater, Penn State, has three guys at the yep. Combine. John Urschel, the, uh, the all-world mathematician, 4.0 GPA. Uh, Daquan Jones, the defensive tackle. And then who I think will probably be the first Penn State player to hear his name called Allen Robinson, the wide yep. receiver. 
um, you said high point the ball. That's kind of his, his specialty. Yeah. That's what he does. I, I like Allen Robinson. To me, I'm not as high on him maybe as some others are. This receiving group is so, so deep. Talented, it's yeah. so talented. I'm anxious to see what he runs because I question a little bit you know, his separation speed when you watch him on tape. I thought he's a little bit tight when he's kind of getting in and out of his breaks. But he's really good with the ball in his hands after the catch. Yeah. Uh, and he can, like you said, he can go up and get the football. I mean, this this draft, you're gonna get, you're gonna see receivers in this draft in the third or fourth round. They're gonna be able to come in and be impact guys, you know, right away. Daquan Jones, another one I liked, is a, you know, I think he fits as a three four. I think he played the nose, really, really strong. I kind of, when you're breaking down interior defenders, I kind of say, okay, is he an upfield penetrator, a quickness guy, or is he kind of a sit and clog power player? I think he's more of that sit and clog power clog. player for the three four teams. Brockman, you threw out a t- some Twitter questions earlier. Did oh, yeah. Wanna, yeah uh, before we get to that, though, uh, who are some guys that maybe aren't getting a lot of buzz as we get ready for the combine that you're going to kind of keep your eye on? How about how about Terrence West running back from Townsend? Uh, yeah, you don't see a lot Towson of Towson Town- in Maryland or yes. Townsend? Towson. Towson in Maryland. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which was one of my schools when I first started scouting, oh, okay. by the way. There was no Terrence West at Townsend when I was rolling through there. <laughs> but uh no, he's he's very interesting. He's gonna be, you know, running back about two hundred and twenty five pounds, um, really, really quick laterally. Um, tough, he can catch the ball. He's somebody I think you'll start to hear more about after we get through the combine. Do you, take, do you take a running back anymore in the first round? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah, it's like the law passed that you're not allowed to take a running back in the first round. But I don't know. I I think if you feel like the right guy's there, um, I still think it's it's worth it. Is yeah. Trey Mason going to be the first running back? I don't taken? think so. The kid at Ohio State Hyde is really, really Carlos good. Carlos Hyde, he's a beast. Yeah, he's really good. But does that concern you when you have a school like Ohio State whose running backs haven't produced in the end? You're not a, you're not a Boom Heron guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, l- let's see. Claret out. Um, Beanie. Where's Beanie, Beanie Wells? Beanie not doing What's much. he up to these I days? I mean, obviously, Eddie George had a, a, a stellar somewhere. career. <laughs> and I can't talk much because a lot of Penn State running backs haven't done much. Yeah, how'd Kajana do? Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> One knee injury. If the technology <laughs> of today was there in 95. Hey, LJ had a good run. LJ had a great run, yeah. yeah. So, he yeah. had, what, like a three-year run, Blair though. Thomas. Blair's, Franco. Blair Thomas. Come on. Uh, I did. I did pose a question on Twitter. We did get a few responses, more team specific. Um, Phil Fair wants to know: Would the Saints be better served to take a receiver uh, rather than a defense or offensive tackle in the first round? Their receivers. Yeah, I mean, look. I just think this draft is so deep. Look what they did last year with Kenny Stills, where they got him. Yeah. I, I think they can wait on the receiver position. I think you look at the pass rushers, uh, finding them an edge rusher for Rob Ryan's defense, and and that's where there's not as many of those guys in this draft as you would like. I think the receiver pool is so much deeper, and I think the tackle pool is pretty deep as well. So if you're going to you know, kind of categorize those, I might go with the, try and find myself a pass rusher first. Uh, Ian O'Leary, about the Ravens, your old team, are they going to go tackle, or should they go for a wide receiver tight end in the first round? Well, it's gonna be, that's going to be dictated by free agency. You know, because they've got both tackles are up, Eugene Monroe, Michael Orr. What did they do there? Dennis Pitta is up. What did they do there? Um, the receiver position, Marlon Brown did a nice job stepping up last I mean, year. Yeah, yeah. Of... coming off an injury, they get him as undrafted free agent. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Um, so they've got him, and then you also have Torrey Smith. But I still feel like in Jacoby Jones, those are, those are three good guys, but I still think they could they could look in that direction. Joe Flacco, you give him that kind of money, you need to give him some more help. Right. I think even if they re-signed Pitta, if Dixon were to go away, if they brought in, if like Eric Ebron from North Carolina was somehow there when they picked to, to put him Is into he the that offense, one tight end? Yeah, yeah, he's big time. He's a stud. So there, wasn't that there would some make sense. concern? Like he put on weight, and they said he slowed down, slowed down a little. 
I don't know. I just saw a dude making a bunch of one-handed catches and running right. nasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, Andrew Craig wants to know uh, where the Packers should start in rebuilding their defense. Ooh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I think they need to find a big-time safety. I would like to see what they could do with a big-time safety. One thing, when, you know, I haven't been in Baltimore, been around Ed Reed, you get a player that at that position – you can have a, a dynamic impact both in the run game and the pass Steelers game. Look at, with Paul look at yeah, well, look at Seattle. Well, I was going to say, look, have look the Seahawks kind of changed the mold on how you're going to yeah. build that back four? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. What the Seahawks have done too is they've said, okay, everything was moving towards you got to have interchangeable safeties. That was the whole thing. In order to disguise coverage, you got to have two safeties that can both come down the box and can both play high. And the Seahawks said, no, nah, nah, we're good with that. We're going to take a pure box safety in Cam Chancellor, play him, play him close to the line of scrimmage. He can cover tight ends underneath, and he's going to be an enforcer on those little crossing routes and against the run. And we're going to have an undersized safety, Earl Thomas, who can float over the top with all kinds of range. And Earl can also come up and, and support the run as well. But, but Cam Chancellor, you know, a bunch of teams just said, okay, well, he, you know, we don't want to, he couldn't really play in the, in the back half because he couldn't range or this, that, and the other. Uh, nah, this guy's a really good football player. We'll find, we'll find a way to make it work. All right, we'll we'll get you out of here. But before before we get you out of here, you you're one of the few that can hang on the pop culture and the you know the lexicon of stuff. And I think the two of us, Brockman, I think you probably share in this as well. I'm excited as to where you're going with this. Large Saved by the Bell fans. Oh jeez. Yep. <laughs> I have a I have a pretty standard ten question Saved by the Bell that I go with. Your obsession. Ooh. I'm gonna go with a five question. Your obsession with Saved by the Bell is bordering on creepy. You go with a five question Saved by the Bell trivia here for DJ and see see what you can come up with. Oh, Man, um, we'll start. We'll start simple, uh, somewhat simple. Amateur big trouble. Um, there's an episode where a wealthy alumnus of Bayside uh, strikes oil yep. in, in the field. You're gonna ask me the name of the duck, aren't the you? The name of the duck, Zach's pet duck that he saves and then oh, says they can no longer. Um, and you're saying that's that's the easy one. It's the same name as Mr. Boating's wife. If you'd have said his brother, I knew it was Rod. Rod is his brother. Oh, that's a t- okay. This is a tough. This could be a tough one. All right, the duck. <laughs> oh man, I can see Zach just holding the thing holding and wiping the, the oil off of the the face of the duck. All right, it is the same name as um, in Uncle Jesse's uh, wife. Uncle Jesse on Full House. On Full House. We're, we're crossing genres here, man. I mean, I, I didn't know. I can see her clear as I, I day, I didn't know too. it earlier, but now I do know it because, you know, whatever. All right. No, go. Give it to me. Becky. Becky. You know, Becky. <sighs> Becky Donaldson. All right. For, uh, uh, I could be 0 for 5 if this is where well, this okay. is Well, okay. What does AC stand for? In oh, AC, AC Slater. Slater. Oh, jeez. Oh, Deech. We're sl- we might have to end this uh, in two. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> No, no. I, you know what? You know the thing is, I'm running through all these names in my head. Like I have Violet Ann Bickerstaff running um, through my head. Rod I can't believe we're doing Saved by the Bell trivia. DJ on knows this show. DJ will email like you emailed me one of the greatest videos of all time. Uh, what was that? The oh, uh, the baseball player. The baseball player. We should. We should. You, you, you need should to tweet get that, that out. You need to get that I'll, I'll out tweet there. Tweet it out. Send it's, that out there. Um, there's a football player that goes back for an alumni, or a baseball player that goes yeah. back for an alumni game, and he does a hype video, and it's uh, it's one of the greatest. Have you seen ever. that, Rockman? No. Oh, I, dude. He does it to what? Like, what, he what is this? We, we, we might just stop the podcast and just show him this. I, know, I don't know we, if you want to live another minute in this world without having seen this. He sets up a camera and he's going. He's like, uh, he played college baseball at a right. small school, uh-huh. and he sets up this camera to play to the current class because it's all the lettermen that come back and they play okay. the alumni game. class in alumni game, and he just talks smack 
and it is three minutes of this guy talking like WWF wrestler as smack to himself in a camera. Macho Man? While eating eating a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. (laughs) With a big gulp. Hold the chi in a big gulp. (laughs) It's the funniest thing ever. We'll, we'll, We'll get that out there. But um, wow. All right, Saved by the Bell trivia ends. I'm no, sorry. Yeah, I'm over. I'm, I'm really embarrassed. I didn't by mean that to put you in, right in a tough spot there. I thought you know. I, yeah, what is AC? What is a AC? giant bus? Al- Albert Clifford. Albert oh, Clifford. I, I I know way too much, and sometimes you can yeah still because catch we know that because you've been pining to get like Belding on the show for the last two years. You can get him. No, we can. Uh, <laughs> r- 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 the, the man whose name is on this show yeah. doesn't want him on. I've wanted to get Mark Paul Gossler in here. I wanted to get AC Slayer, uh, Mario Lopez, Kelly Kapowski just turned 40, I think, the other Did day. Did she really? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. God bless her. I've seen uh, Lisa Turtle's been making the rounds lately. I've Has seen she? her on TV a little bit doing Lark, some interviews. Lark Voorhees. Yeah. yeah. I know way too much. She was about also that show. in the uh, Boys to Men video. Did not know that. Wow. Yeah. The more there you, you know. All right, Daniel, thanks a lot. We'll see you at Combine, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on with Rich here whenever the Combine's over. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, Daniel Jeremiah there. That was awesome. Good stuff and insight from DJ, as yeah, always. Yeah, that was, that was great. Well, I, I mean, you wanted to know, you know what, it, what it took or how does one get into the scouting business. Was it what you thought? Was it what you expected? Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to me because that's something I, I was interested in as, as well, too, and... I think people have such misperceptions of of that business. You hear, wow, a Major League Baseball scout or like a, right. a, a an NFL an NFL scout. And it's funny to me that he spent two years not leaving the Ravens facility. Like he said, it was kind of a, a master's program in becoming and learning how to how to become a scout. That was really interesting to me because, of course, you know these guys are on the road. They're traveling. Like he said, they're they're eating Pizza Hut. Uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so it's it's a it's a young guy's game for sure, and it's a guy it's a game for for someone with no family, so yeah, they can yeah, they can do this, and so it's great to see you know what he's turned into, and and certainly I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's so knowledgeable, no, he's, and, and it's, it's great to see him have so much success. And you're right, he's genuine. He's one of the most genuine, like nice, nice guys. No doubt here. about it. And he puts in the time too, which is which is an, an and you have to thing. and you have to think about that that job like. The, I don't think I would – I mentioned, like, that was something I thought maybe I wanted to do. Like, the stress involved with that when when your GM makes the, a pick that you've backed and then that guy doesn't pan out for whatever reason. Sure. Like, you – that's a that's a job where you're kind of always looking over your shoulder, and that's kind of why I was wondering if there were anybody that he missed on. Yeah, and you know certainly he wasn't the only person to sure. miss to miss on Matt Leinart, but it was funny that that was the name the name that, that, that he brought up that, that came up. I mean, injuries play a large large part. Of For that. Sure, and Matt Leinart is probably one of the guys who's had some of the worst NFL luck. I know. You know, he keeps getting Separating chance after chance, and, right? But um, it looks like we are going to get Rich on the line here. I think I'm going to give him a buzz here in, oh, great. in, in a minute or two. So that that's good news. We'll do we know? Where, do we know where he is? Um, we don't. It's kind of like uh, Air Force One. They don't really tell us the exact uh, right. location for fear of sure. you know something going on. But I hear maybe Midwest. That makes sense. Some okay, potential ski town. He's somewhere. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, that 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 could be it. But um. Interesting to hear what he says about Manziel too. I mean, you you think Manziel should be the number one pick? Huh? I, th- I think I, th- I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. And I, I thought this at the beginning of the season. How in, bad do you want to hang out with Johnny Manziel? It, 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 um, 
Uh, let's let's put it this way. Uh, it's indescribable how bad I want to hang out with Johnny Manziel or just Johnny, just you know, just to be my friend. It's some. It's some. I mean, thirty-three-year-old Chris Brockman. If, if I could begging for twenty-one-year-old Johnny. If I could Manziel. buy a Groupon that would include a night with Manziel, I think I would pay a year's salary. Nice. All right, I'm going to get rich on the horn here. We'll we'll dial the line directly with uh, with him on. Okay, great. Hello, Doctor Eisen. How go with Hello, it? Hello, sir. How are you? Rich, Good yourself. How are you, brother? How are you doing? Not bad. He's Not back bad. from the cold. I'm back from the cold. You are back from the cold, and I'm in the cold. I'm in Colorado right now. Oh, nice. Oh, we went yeah. Air Force One on your location. We didn't give it away. No, but... um, no. I'm in Colorado. I'm I'm uh, I'm in training for the uh, for the uh, for the forty. Training yeah. at alt- altitude. Yeah, high altitude. Yeah, I'm in altitude. Um, there's a lot of deer here. Um, so you're chasing the deer or being chased by them? Is that a no, new training they've got, technique? They've, they've got they've got something in the antlers. Um, oh, so deer spray. There you go. And um, so <clears throat> clearly, um, I came uh, prepared to gain any edge I possibly need to get done what I need to get done. Well, a couple weeks Actually, ago, you were you were juice cleansing. You're, you you change your diet a little bit. How are you yeah. feeling right now? Yeah, well, I've been I've, I've dropped some LBs. And I, I think I might look a little thinner to people when uh, when I go on the air with Mayock Saturday from the combine with the offensive line group, uh, which I'm excited about because um, that may be the only chance I get to talk Michigan football with with uh, with Lawan out there. Yeah. Um. So uh, the offensive linemen go on Saturday. Just a few minutes ago, I saw on Twitter that uh, Blake Bortles said he's going to throw, which is good. Yep. Pleased about that. Um, and, and he's also going to get the podcast bump, too, correct? That is That's correct. Right. Indeed. Confirmed for the podcast tape on Friday, airing Wednesday at 10 p.m. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So, um, The podcast bump is working wonders uh, with Chrissy Teigen getting the Sports well, Illustrated swimsuit cover. You know, I think Dan Patrick would, would probably raise his hand and say he's done a little bit more than that, but I appreciate um, one for us. If Bruce Dern wins the Oscar, then I think that's the end of that. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, Brockman, but last week's chat with <clears throat> with uh, Bruce Dern, um, I, I, I have not seen much uh, Twitter reaction to anything that we've done in quite some time. That includes like the Anchorman chat, even Seinfeld at the Super Bowl. The Bruce Dern chat sort of lit everything up um, in the past week. So if Bruce Dern wins the Oscar, then I think I think there'll be no doubt in my mind anymore that there's a legitimate podcast bump. Well, that would be our second Oscar. We'd be two for two. That would be our second <laughs> So, oh, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I love how yeah, we are saying that would be our <laughs> second Oscar. Well, yeah, I think exactly. I think we both take uh, take pride in that Bill Courtney interview and in, in, in the documentary Undefeated. Yeah, that's one of the best that we've done. For sure. So, but who is on today's show? Well, we had our uh, our good pal from NFL Media, Daniel Jeremiah, on talking a little combine. Oh, We're moving the sticks a little bit. Moving that's the good. sticks. Excellent. Exactly. Who uh, you, you mentioned Tyler Lewan in Group One, or I'm sorry, he's actually in Group Two of the offensive linemen, which is a better group than Group One. Who who else are you most interested in seeing at the combine? Oh gosh, um, you know, obviously Clowney. Seeing him out there will be good. And um, but you know, not not to sound like I'm not to say you know, my, my son wants to see mountains outside. Come on out here, buddy. Yes. Um, obviously, Michael Sam. You know, because so much has been discussed about him, 
now we've got now we've got uh, him uh, thankfully doing football activities. So seeing him out there and uh, we having him live on the network on Monday, where we get to talk about his football acumen, which is again what I think most fans want to hear in regards to Michael Sam. Of course. Uh, and seeing him out there and seeing what he can do, I think that's right, buddy. So, you know, it is definitely something that I'm looking forward to seeing on Monday after I'm done wrangling uh, kids and some downtime. But clearly I am training for the 40 uh, out here. Of course. Um, ch- chasing children. What is, uh, what's, the, what's the temperature like out there? Uh, it's, it's, it's like a balmy 40 degrees. Ooh. It's supposed to start snowing, which will make my travel day to the combine. Um, that, that'll be, that'll be the first, um, that'll be the first drill <laughs> of the week, <laughs> you know, so, so. Are you hitting any black um, diamonds out there or is it blue squares and green circles for you? Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. Um, but I'm looking forward to coming out there in Indy guys. Excellent. Excellent. And then well, the following week, uh, just so you know, I do believe that we do have Jim Morris Sr. on the hook for uh, for coming into studio in Los Angeles to get us ready for the Oscars. Yeah, because the Oscars normally are Sunday of Combine Week, but this year they're, they're, a, week, back. they're a week later. And, yeah, the Olympics uh, bumped it. Fall the way back to March. March so. um, that means we, we have our Sunday evening free at the Combine for the first time, and many times there will not be an Oscar party. There won't be Mariucci cheating by getting somebody in Hollywood oh, who he knows to give him uh, his picks um, and then lifting the uh, the award to the trophy and claiming that it's because he's a movie guy. He's so full of it. That guy. <laughs> so this is your first time, I believe, correct us if we're wrong, traveling with three, correct? Yes, yes. How'd it go? Yes. Well, Any- we're in, as, as anyone with, with more than two children would say, you, you, you enter the zone defense phase. Um, and it's just fascinating. Uh, I am... Um, that's part of the reason, perhaps, why I might look thinner. Is I'm not eating. I'm, I'm I'm not eating. I don't have time to do anything. It's remarkable that I picked up the phone when you guys called. It's only a dedication to this show and to you guys that I am actually talking. And I'm probably talking two minutes longer than I should have. Your ability to go above and beyond and give the 100 110 percent, Rich, is uh, listen. Uh, there may be an Rich and Eisen, but I'm all about the program. You know that. <laughs> we, we know you. Well, on that, we'll we'll get you out of here because we know Sue's right, and Taylor and Coop and Zan are waiting for you. Thanks, so, Thanks for uh, have, have fun. Let us tie you up. I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, see you, in Indy, Rich. All right, all right, bye bye. Bye. That's our humble host, Richard Eisen. Dialing the, in from Colorado. The man, he's got to be tapped. Can you imagine traveling with three kids? I can't even imagine traveling no. with myself. It's I, a pain. I mean, traveling by myself this weekend, trying to get to Syracuse, having both flights canceled, and then getting bumped on, and then delays, and ugh, and then the six and a half hour flight from New York back to Los Angeles. That is just misery. It is. Uh, the only good thing about the east to west flight is you get back the three hours. So, right. You know, it doesn't seem but, as bad. But and, and, uh, and, I, and, I flew, and I flew an airline that Rich has had issues with in the past. But, uh. they, but they, do have, they do have TV on. That is. So I was able to rip through tons of movies and the All- NBA All-Star game. The movie theme, though, throughout the course of the night. Now, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but like the TNT USA uh, ABC Family Lifetime, whatever. Every movie had Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Aniston, Zoe Deschanel, and Vince Vaughn. Every single movie that I watched had those five stars in it. It was unbelievable. Got to be some, some. It had to have been something, right? Some back end studio deal. Or and something. then, and then, you know, I was watching the NBA All Star Game, and I was like sitting in my seat. Of course, you got the headphones on, and 
Blake Griffin would do some crazy alley-oop dunk, and I'm screaming like I'm watching the game at my home, and this old couple next to me, like, like thought that, you know, I was like, what are you doing? I'm at some point, like, sorry. At some point, after he had, what, his, he was like 13 of 14 with all dunks, I was like, <laughs> they need to implement an old man softball rule where it's like, you know how you can't hit home runs because they're so easy right. in softball? Yeah. Where it's an out, like, he, he had to stop dunking. That game was not very entertaining. Although the fourth quarter, they start playing defense, they start carrying. Right, it's always interesting. It how in the fourth quarter it, it kind of it kind of tightens up a little bit, but all right. Um, well, Rich mentioned the Oscars real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Are we going? Uh, yeah. Some bad news on the Oscar front this year. Oh um, man, our great our great contact who uh, had helped us up a, a, a few times there, uh, Tara Curtis. Yeah, she was a Patriots fan. Um, yeah, she's actually moved on, and they they would have hooked us up again with credentials, but apparently ABC's pre. Uh, pre-show for the Oscars is expanding greatly this year. And as you know, because you've been there the past two years, right. the Oscars red carpet is not that big of an area overall. It's not. And then there's also international media there. I think right. you were right next oh, to Chinese oh, news. Oh, yeah. We've been next to China broadcasting live yes. back the last so, couple uh, years. They have, they have taken away credentials from domestic media and international media to, foot, to uh, fulfill this larger footprint. So a- ABC, basically, their TV expansion means yeah, less. Means, means no Ed Reed. Means no Heinz Ward. Means no Richard Sherman. No Richard or Sherman Rob or Rob Gonkowski. Oh the man, what year. a bummer! I know, I know. I was super bummed out. When and I then you out. were going to be able to go this year, I which would have been the best it was part. After the combine. Oh man! So no, uh, no Oscars red carpet, but it'll be fun, as Rich said, to get at least uh, Coach Mora back on and no doubt, you know, get the get have the diddly you, uh, poo machine going. Have you seen most of the movies? I've where, seen a lot of. Where them. do you stand? I've actually seen a lot of them. I'm going to look up uh, some of the nominees. Actually, I just saw her over the weekend. I brought a screener home. My mom and I watched. Was it good? I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's it's it was really fascinating considering uh you know I mean I'm one to speak. I have a love affection, love affair with my phone as well. But everyone's yeah, as as all of our friends will attest that you have a love. Yeah, of course. So it's like it's phone. it was it was really interesting to watch. And and hey, who wouldn't fall in love with uh, Scarlett Johansson's voice? I'll tell you what. I haven't seen actually. I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, me I've too. seen Nebraska. I've seen Dallas Buyers Club and I've seen American Hustle. I I want to see Captain Phillips. Fantastic I, I heard, movie. I heard Philomena was great too. Captain Phillips was awesome. Twelve Years I, a Slave. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that uh, Tom Hanks didn't get uh, didn't get nominated. I saw Twelve Years a Slave recently. Man, what a powerful movie! Intense, intense, powerful movie. Well, we'll have all these conversations, obviously. Um, Next awesome. week, with, Can't wait. with uh, the man himself, Jim, Jim Moore Sr. For those of you that, that don't know on the Combine 2, uh, Group 1 is the offensive linemen. They go on Saturday. Also, the um, tight ends go Saturday as well. And then on Sunday, it's running backs and uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers. That's Groups 4, 5, and 6. D linemen start the next day, linebackers, and then it finishes on Tuesday Great. The defensive and uh, coverage begins on NFL Network Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern. And if you're an international listener, you can always follow along to the combine on NFL.com. We'll be doing two live feeds. You can see pretty much every single competitor do just about every single drill. And if you happen to miss it, this year there's a really cool feature where we're tagging players. So let's say you know, you're know you at work, you can't get to a computer at the time to watch Manziel. Um, you can go on NFL.com and then watch all of Manziel do every drill Great. Uh, by tagging him. And so he'll check be that out. He'll be doing everything except throwing. Yep. Big thanks to Rich for uh, dialing in and Daniel Jeremiah for stopping by. Quick international shout-out. Paul Simon Duffy, he is a shout-out in Manchester, England. He says he's been listening to the podcast since episode one. 
with, no, with Ray Lewis. No no Russian shout-out for the Olympics or maybe not? No? I mean. Not, not a big pute. Putin. Nah, it's fine. All right. It's fine. Fair All enough. Right. All right. He's Chris Law. I'm Chris Brockman. Rich Eisen dialed in. Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks. We are at the Eisen Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Booyah. Stay listening, dear friends.